Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Rainier. Rainier, how you doing? Good, Henry. Doing well. Excellent. And I'm joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how you doing? I'm doing well, Henry. Repping my Batman shirt right now. I'm ready to rumble. Excellent. Excellent. I am also joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how goes? Doing pretty good. I'm really excited. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. So today's topic is DC versus Marvel, the age-old debate. Uh, but first, real quick, uh, as we mentioned last time, we do have a social media presence now. So we are at Comic Sauce Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, we're just kind of getting that started up. Uh, should be some fun stuff forthcoming. Uh, and uh, yeah, check us out online. Uh, another quick note. We posed a question of the week last time related to Godzilla and King Kong. There wasn't a whole lot of response, so <laughs> we're not going to delve into that particular question. Do check out our last episode where we did deep dive into Godzilla and Kong. Uh, but I think maybe we'll put the question of the week on the back burner for now. Um, for today, we're just going to dive right in. Like I said, we're going to talk about DC versus Marvel. Uh, so in the pantheon of great rivalries, this is absolutely right in there. Yeah, when we think of Yankees versus Red Sox, Star Wars versus Star Trek. I mean, DC versus Marvel is right up there. Yeah, um, it's a fun conversation for comic geeks like us. You know, it's just one of those things you can talk about endlessly, right? So that's why I'm thinking this won't be the end all be all episode for this. You know, I think we can touch upon this every now and then, you know, we can revisit. We'll certainly try to cover as much territory as we can this time around. But like I said, it's really an endless conversation. So where to begin here? Um, just real quick, a little bit of history. DC Comics was founded in 1934. Marvel Comics was founded in 1939. And it was known as Timely Comics at the time. So we're talking about a couple franchises that have been around for a long time. I and mean, we're getting close to like 100 years for these comics companies. Uh, so they're definitely part of, of uh, the American tradition, part of American history. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of history here. You know, when we talk about comic books, DC and Marvel, we tend to talk about more recent stuff, maybe the movies, uh, but there is a long history with both of these companies. Um, you know what we can do right now, I think? Um, I thought it'd be good to sort of just go down the line here and talk about our respective 
fandom level, right? How much of a DC fan are you? How much of a Marvel fan are you, right? Um, where do we start here? How about you, Perfurio? Where would you put yourself on the scale for these two entities? Yeah, I'm definitely 100 Marvel. I've been Marvel fan forever. Um, like, yeah, I guess I lean more towards the movies and TV shows than actual comics. But DC, I will, I do have my love for there. It's opened up these past few years. Um, yeah, DC is getting up there. I'm really excited to just know more about DC and all that kind of stuff. But that's where I'm at so far. And interestingly for you, your DC fandom is pretty recent, right? Because I remember not that long ago, you were like totally Marvel. Like you would not even acknowledge DC almost, right? Almost, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is interesting. Um, so I, th that might uh, sort of color your answers a bit because, um, yeah, like we've been saying, I think more recently you've been starting to embrace DC a bit more, right, right? Yep, definitely. Cool. Okay, how about you, Rainier? Where do you fall in this spectrum? Ooh, what a loaded question. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I do want to touch upon, Perfurio, uh, your comment about, or Henry, about how you've noticed how over time you've noticed he's started to grow an appreciation for DC. I feel like I've seen the same too, because I've been sort of periodically off and on on this show. Mm -hmm. Um. I definitely see the same too, Perfurio, and that's that's really cool. And I think that's what fandom's all about is like discovering new things, and that's super cool. Where do I stand? Oh, man, so like, I, I've I've said this to everybody that I <laughs> why not both? Like, why does it have to be versus? Right? I mean, the way I see it, it's like iPhone versus Android. I mean, both phones can make calls, they can text message, they can send emails, they accomplish the same things. <laughs> At the end of the day, they're a phone. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, there's still comics. Um, I do, I, I want to say though, and but I see I own an iPhone, right? Um, so in this case, I, I own DC. I lean a little bit more DC, but admittedly, I love both Marvel and DC. Um, I want to say DC is a little closer to my heart just because I've really followed the comics, you know, television series, movies. Um, man, I, I think there was just a time where I was just hungry for anything DC content that I was just consuming it like crazy. And now that we're all spoiled to every single summer having a blockbuster several blockbuster like marvel or dc movies like now it's it's you can find it on every street corner it's so abundant <laughs> yeah um but I, I i love it both i lead a little more dc a little more sentimental there um to me but why not both i love both cool yeah i like that perspective because you know the the, the world is so divided right now. Why do we need yet another thing to be divided on, right? Why not embrace both sides? I did and I know, I know it's like, uh, what a safe answer, but I really can't like, I mean, there's things I love and hate about Marvel. There are things I love and hate about DC. 
you know, they both come with their own, but I, you know, you could make the argument that Marvel and DC wouldn't be where they are today if it wasn't for each other. That is exactly what I was thinking. The rivalry makes both companies better. You brought up the iPhone Android thing, same thing, you know, there's a rivalry there and the better one is the better the other is. There's like a cool competition type thing going on. Right. So yeah, I think DC makes Marvel better and Marvel makes DC better. So better together. Hell yeah. All right. How about you, Christian? Where do you fall in this spectrum of fandoms? All right. So um, I definitely fall more into the DC camp uh, than the Marvel camp. Um, But I think um, growing uh, growing up around like late 90s, early 2000s, it was really like the DC cartoons, like Justice League, Batman, Superman, you know, that I think gave me that big initial push into um, DC fandom. And so that's kind of, I guess that's largely where I've stayed. Um, I think growing up, I also did love Spider-Man, the animated series. Um, for Although for some reason, I never latched on to, to X-Men in that, in I guess the same way you know what whatever place in time you know love them now um but like i didn't really there was a lot of marvel characters i actually didn't really truly look at and think wow this is a great character i really got to read more of that until like the movies actually started coming out the big mcu movies because like because um i think um i definitely fall into that dc camp of uh bat fanboy i think I am wearing my Batman shirt. Most of my collection is Batman. And, like, I've seen, like, every Batman movie however many times. So I guess that's that's where I'm personally at. Excellent. Okay. And myself, rounding it out, I certainly fall into the Marvel camp. So, yeah, uh, as you can see, we're kind of le- kind of evenly distributed here, right? So myself and Perfirio lean Marvel, Christian and Rainier lean DC. Um, and we always wanted to have this conversation anyway, so it's perfect now, right? We're, we're kind of evenly balanced, perfect time to, to talk it up. Um, but yeah, a little bit of history. Uh, I did enter the Marvel fandom through comic books. Child of the 80s. Um, yeah, I really got into Iron Man and Punisher comics in the 80s and um, have never looked back. Yeah, been a Marvel fan uh, ever since. Interestingly, as I've mentioned previously on the show, I was a DC fan prior, you know, in my young life. Um, I got into um, some DC cartoons and toys as a, a little kid. Yeah, I mentioned the superpowers series. Yeah, I was really into that series, uh, that, that the cartoon series and, and the toys. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the topic of, of uh, sentimentality, that comes up a bit, you know? I, I have a place in my heart for DC for sure, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it really is Marvel all the way for me now though. Uh, so there we are. I think we have a pretty good um, diverse range of fandom here. So should be a good conversation. 
Okay, at this point, I'm going to continue to sort of moderate the conversation, um, but it should be a conversation. You know, I think it'll be pretty open. Feel free to jump in whenever. Um, but, you know, I thought I might start with just some of the kind of the low hanging fruit of it all, like the stuff that comes up most often when these types of discussions take place, right? Um, so with the comics and, you know, it really started with the comics. A lot of what I hear in the debates is DC came first. Like I mentioned, literally DC came first. It was founded several years prior to Marvel. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Marvel is kind of a, a follow-up, a takeoff, a knockoff of DC, if you will, right? Um, we've talked about Thanos being kind of a ripoff of Darkseid. Uh, so what do you guys think of that? When you hear that come up, oh, DC came first, like how much weight does that hold? Is that like a big deal or is it just kind of meaningless? How do you guys feel about that? I think it's a big deal. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I think in general, a lot of people know that Superman was like the first superhero, Yeah. you know? Um, like no question, like he was the first superhero and like he set the standard for what superheroes were back then. Like that didn't exist before Superman. Solid point. I do agree. It does matter. Like it's not nothing. Like who came first does matter. Like know your history, respect. You know, Superman was the first superhero and uh, you could make a strong argument that superheroes that followed Superman were all in some way a, a takeoff of him, right? Yeah, I would definitely say like there's like a little bit of Superman's DNA in like just about every superhero. You could you could you could almost argue, um, and how he's like kind of like the most like idealized version of like the superhero like trope and the superhero character, and um, like. Uh, on a, and then there's also the Superman movie, which was like kind of when it came out in the 70s was one of the big movies to like create the blockbuster like um, the block. But like they say it started with Jaws, but I would say it's like a, you know, a punch of Jaws, Star Wars and Superman are like the three movies mm. that really made it take off. And now you have um, I think Kevin Fahey says that he wants every director that he brings in to watch the the Donner Superman to get an to get like a full idea of what he wants in his Marvel movies. Oh, someone did their homework here <laughs> because that's a really solid counterpoint because we're going to get into this later, but you know, on the Marvel side of the thing, Marvel side of things, a lot of folks cite the more recent movies, right? They're the big knockout punch for marvel right but if you're saying even kevin feige himself is recommending to his filmmakers that they watch a dc movie before they make their movie that's uh that's a strong point and even to add to super movie in the first i mean justice league i think was the first like superhero team up crew right they were the first they were the first like shared universe <laughs> yeah that's solid 
because that's the big thing now, right? The team up, you know, it, it isn't just the justice league or the Avengers. I mean, there are so many different teams of superheroes and uh, yeah, justice league was the first Robin was the first sidekick. <laughs> Definitely. So what about the car- counter argument? Like, if we hear, if, if let's say Marvel fans hear time and again, DC came first, then what do we as Marvel fans say to that? Any thoughts, Perfurio? The only argument I could say besides like, you know, DC came first, respect where the original source came from, I guess like it's that like Marvel can like kind of like improved and made something different from an original idea from DC. Um, you know, like like Rainier said, Superman was the first superhero. And while Spider-Man was, he was not the first superhero, but like he was like, I feel like, I think the first superhero that like Stanley made that was relatable, you know? He had superpowers, but he was also like, a person who had like all these um, like everyday issues of like getting money and going to school and stuff like that, you know, like uh, so I think like Marvel, what they did better was just like creating characters that were more relatable than DC. Oh man, I love that point because yeah, well, it's a strong argument to say DC came first. It's also a strong argument to say over time, you have to adapt, right? You have to adjust with the times, you have to adjust with different mediums. And a strong argument for Marvel is that they have done so well with adjusting. So a big seismic change was in the 60s, right? And, um, you know, a lot of people talk about Stan Lee, but his contributions to the world really happened in the 60s where he changed the game. You know, he took superheroes into a whole different direction and really changed everything. Um, you could argue again in more recent times with the MCU that similar to how Marvel changed the comic book medium in the 60s in the late 2000s, they changed the movie medium, right? And again, they completely turned it on its head and created something completely new and people like totally bought into it, right? The numbers don't lie. Box office, comic book sales, all that, right? So yeah, I I love that sentiment perfectly that you could argue that DC came first, but Marvel very arguably has done better in kind of changing things up when when like at, at key moments in time yeah adjusted with the times i don't know i don't know if i'd say better i'd say i'd say innovated i i, I feel like i'd say innovation like they they definitely like yeah i mean they they've added like more color and and nuance to their characters making them look like like real people with real problems that like readers could relate to. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, not necessarily better, but certainly innovative, right? I think um, 
you can't argue the innovations that, that Marvel has done. Uh, so that brings us to another pretty common point. So with this, the 60s, the silver age of comics, the Marvel age, uh, yeah, we saw a new type of superhero, you know, with Stan Lee creating the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, like particularly Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, I would say you saw this really refreshing relatability in superheroes, right? They weren't these godlike figures so much as they were people you might know, you know, people you can relate to, people you can identify with. And um, that's a big argument point for Marvel, right? A lot of Marvel fans saying are, are saying, well, the DC superheroes are, are great and all, but like, I can't relate to them. They're, they, they tend to be godlike figures. And, you know, this in the same way that I can feel like Peter Parker is just like me because, you know, I, I have trouble, you know, managing my money and taking care of my family and, and, you know, my relationship life is like a disaster. You know, I, I, I don't have that connection with, with the DC characters. What do you guys think about uh, those, those topics? I think that's a little bit of a gray area. Um, I remember Jim Lee talking about how he, he made some comment at a convention saying, if there's anyone out there that can relate to Batman, they are a psychopath. True. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I don't feel like I necessarily have to relate to a character to enjoy them. Like Batman's my favorite character and by no means am I a billionaire or do I have a bat cave under my house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just a cool, he's just a cool character yeah. with a, with an awesome rogues gallery. And there's just a lot of dimension and darkness to his character. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Um. I guess, like, as far as, like, relatability with uh, DC characters, like, um, I always feel like even though they have this, like, kind of godlike status that you, you kind of, like, look up to, like Superman, I feel like there is there is definitely a relatability there, but it might just be in, um, I don't want to say, like, smaller or more uh, diminished aspects, but um, I think that there's always something that you can, you can connect with in, in, say, like, their play, like, um, you know, I'm not th- this dark and brooding billionaire, um, with, you know, like Batman, but I think there is something kind of, kind of relate, like relatable in how in overcoming adversity and being the best man that you can be. Like there's something kind of cool, you know, watching like, like Batman be this super awesome superhero but he's just a regular guy but everyone but he kind of has this mythical figure status to people think you know does this guy have superpowers does he like is he a metahuman or is no he just kicks that much ass like and then superman is not really you know he's not a human but it i it's a it's kind of that question is is human something you're born with or is like human something you like grow up to be it's like kind of we were talking something similar in our blade runner episode with the idea of the soul and what is the soul and in in a real sense maybe maybe clark kent is more human than the rest of us even if he isn't because he has his moral moral standard that he lives up to 
And there's something, I think, very heartwarming about reading a good Superman story. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that about Superman. That's right. Like he's, he's like comics, like, like, uh, he, what do they call him? Like he's, um, he's, he's basically an immigrant that had come from another planet. Right. Yeah. And he's trying yeah. to find his way, find a life here on earth. That's not his native home. And he's trying to just fit in with these crazy, incredible powers. Yeah, it's cool. I, can't remember what panel it was, but I remember at a convention panel, there was some discussion about Superman along these lines where they were talking about the relatability of heroes and um, the panelist was supporting Superman. He was saying, well, yeah, you know, you yourself, you know, aren't Superman. But when we look at Superman, we can kind of see like the best in humanity. Like here's a person who is gifted with these great powers and yet he always does the right things. He's not self-serving, right? So he's he's almost like a blueprint for what how we should behave, right? Because sadly, so often when people come into a lot of money, a lot of power, they abuse it, right? But Superman doesn't. And for, you know, of anyone, he would be the one to do it because he has these godlike powers, right? Um, so when you look at Superman, you should feel good about, about Superman and, you know, and just recognize his actions as being you know, the right thing to do and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like along the lines of what we we're saying before, it's not really better or worse. When I think of this topic, it's, it's more like kind of, kind of gives, gives me a little insight on the person, like what kind of person are you? Um, I mean, it's not so black and white as, oh, a DC person thinks this way and a Marvel person thinks that way. But I think there's a little something there, right, where I think a DC person may want to look at these uh, fictional characters as something more aspirational, maybe something escapist, like what you're saying, Rainier, like, I'm not Batman, but I, he's cool. I dig, like, watching Batman and reading Batman comics and stuff, so there's this cool escapist element you know um whereas maybe a marvel fan might be they might enjoy a story where they can kind of put themselves into the shoes of the character right um it can depend on the character too you know like there are a lot of marvel characters who do have godlike powers and maybe aren't so uh, relatable maybe maybe a character like thor right um but just in general i think uh there's more of a relatability factor and yeah, I think, I think there's a little window to, to a person's way of thinking when you hear what kind of stuff they're into, you know, DC versus Marvel for sure, I think is in, an indicator of things, you know? So who do you relate to more, Henry, DC people or Marvel people? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> talk about a loaded question there. <laughs> That's for all of you guys. That's for all of you guys. Talking about, you know, yeah. choosing sides. Sides of the friendship right here. <laughs> Pull it down. Gotta take the gloves oh, off. Oh man. Man. <laughs> so wait, who oh who who do I what type of person would I relate to more? A DC or Marvel person? Yeah. Man. <laughs> well, I just uh I mean, this is maybe a kind of a weak answer, but you know, someone I can talk Marvel 
so someone I can talk Marvel to, probably I can relate to more. Just you know, it's just logically, right? Um, yeah, it, it just you know, it's like it's like when you go to conventions. So that's why I miss going to conventions so much because you are hanging out with like-minded people, right? So there's something to that, like-minded people. So um, yeah, maybe not the greatest answer, but yeah, yeah, I relate to Marvel people more for sure. There are certainly people that get really hostile with their fandoms. <laughs> oh yeah. People that will defend the, their favorite superhero saying it's oh, yeah. the best and you can't convince me otherwise. Okay, great transition. So one of the topics I had was the fan base. So I think both sides have a, have you know problematic fans, you know. Um, so what do we think about some of these fans who might take things a little too seriously? I think the learning curve for people that are dove into the Marvel fandom is much lower than the learning curve for DC just because of the movies. Yeah. <laughs> because someone has seen all the MCU movies that has never read a comic is suddenly an expert on Marvel comics. And mm -hmm. I hate that. <laughs> I think you nailed it. All right, go ahead, Preferio. Yeah, I was going to say, piggyback off what Rainier said, I it is really annoying when, like, a Marvel fan says, like, you know, like, you know, like WandaVision, for example, like so many people watch that show. And then there's so many other like Marvel fans who have been watching the movies for a long time saying like, oh, don't call yourself a Marvel fan. If you're just watching WandaVision, that's it. Like you have to watch all these other ones. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it's just like, no, you don't have to do anything. You, you just watch one thing and just say you're a Marvel fan. You know, there's like no like requirement or whatever to what makes a fan a fan you know mm -hmm. and that's just it, it's uh, it's just so annoying it was so annoying to watch I'm not I'm not trying to be like you know I'm not trying to be like a comic elitist like you can't love Marvel movies just because you haven't seen or read a Marvel comic but it's like if you love these characters and you're that passionate about it why don't you pick up a comic and pay homage to the creators that have put it together, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a solid point. Yeah. But, you know, I think there's a fine line here. There is a whole like gatekeeper aspect of things where, yeah, certainly we don't want to be the type to say, Oh, you can't consider your fan yourself a fan if you haven't read the comics or you don't deserve to watch these movies before you read the comics or something like that, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, I get it. I get what you guys are saying. It can be kind of aggravating where, you know, someone has seen a couple of Avengers movies and they've self-declared themselves as like experts and longtime Marvel fans or something like that, right? I mean, is that kind of the equivalent of like a sports like Fairweather fan? like? I, oh, every time yeah. I see like an Oakland A's like or a Warriors, um, you know, like authentic fan, I always look at those banners. I'm like authentic fan. So if I'm a fan today and I'm holding the sign, am I an authentic fan? <laughs> or if I held the yeah. same, if I held this sign like 10 years ago, am I more of an authentic fan? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 
what qualifies as authentic fan? Yeah, there's definitely like this bandwagon thing, which is, which is kind of complicated, you know, on one hand, it can be very annoying, but um, like older school fans, um, we, we shouldn't have the, the, the point of view that, you know, you can't consider yourself a fan unless you've like done your ta- time or something. So I, I don't know. It's, it's complicated. I think it's got to be somewhere in the middle. You know, Wait, who's 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 a diehard Star Wars fan here like that has read books and all that stuff. <laughs> Anyone? Well, see, there you go. When you say diehard, that that's a sticky yeah. label right there. I mean, I think all four of us are Star Wars fans. I, don't I think guess I'm a Star Wars fan. About it. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. I'm a Star Wars fan. Yeah. I've read I'm just, one book. <laughs> so I'm just curious because this came up when we were at a convention. This guy that was trying to like school us on like Star Wars, like trivia. <laughs> Are any of you guys aware of like different styles of lightsaber fighting? Only from this guy we talked to you in here. <laughs> I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I mean, know, actually. What, what do you mean? It would be the equivalent of like tiger style and crane style. You know what I mean? Like I, apparently there's like six different schools of lightsaber fighting that, that, that Jedi is like um, <laughs> based their training off of. And that's a deep cut. Like I didn't know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Now am I not, not? Am I no longer an authentic Star Wars fan because I didn't know that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I forgot who said it, but in this topic of like how much of a fan you are, the sentiment was, "You're a fan if you like it." Period doesn't matter if you've read the comics watched the shows watched the movies it doesn't matter if you like it you like it you're a fan done deal um but you know i think i think there's something to to uh people like us who've kind of put our time in you know it is kind of annoying where a newer fan is dismissive of older fans. I think that's what we're getting at here, right? You know, if, if you're a newer fan and you're, you're cool and you recognize older fans and, you know, show a little respect, you know, <laughs> that's cool. Um, but if you're just like, Oh, like I, I love the MCU, everything else that has come out is bullshit. I don't care about like some comic books that came out in the thirties as ancient history. Fuck you. You know, like that's not cool. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think that the, the obnoxiousness factor is is a big part of it. And that's a good segue into the DC side of fandom, where it's almost the opposite. I mean, this is kind of a stereotype, but with the Marvel fan, we're kind of painting here. It's the new fan who's gotten into it just because of the MCU and doesn't really acknowledge the history of it, doesn't acknowledge older school fans. Um, then there's... DC fans who there's a stigma there, right? That DC fans are the, the older school fans who are very set in their ways. We could say, um, you know, the release, the Snyder cut people and the, the people who uh, are very against seeing any changes in their characters whatsoever. Um yeah, what do you think about this sort of uh, DC fan stigma? Hmm. Yeah, that 
Um, I think you're making it sound like old farts. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of right. Like, it's something you have seen like on the internet, like you know, in quite a few places. Um, and I guess like, um, I guess one thing I guess I'll give to Marvel. I think I guess we all know is Marvel just de- generally sells more than DC. Um, like if you look at just general comic sales, if you look at you know this the massive runaway success of the MCU. Versus Ooh, I don't, I don't know about Marvel comics selling more than DC. I, I remember Aton actually making a comment about that, about how DC's like sales number or sales figures have been much higher than Marvel. Recently? Oh, interesting. Because like I, you know, I looked at some charts. Um, check out. I know Wikipedia isn't always the greatest source, but it's always like you, you kind of look at the internet and see like who sells more. And um, many of them, gen- like generally, I've I've seen Marvel sells more. Um, just over, I guess, you know, this could be over the course of probably since Marvel kind of came out. Um, maybe it was a season. It could, yeah, it probably is also something that depends on the season, the book, the specific, there's probably, there's a lot more nuance to it than I think, I guess what I'm getting at here. But, um, as I think that, you know, I, I, I think the fan base is just probably also just, uh, a little smaller. And I think because of that. You have the more longtime fans, and I think they're, and I think some of the the kind of old fart gatekeepy attitudes may may probably creep up a little more, or you know, a little less, depending on the depending on I guess like the topic and I guess the uh, the general scope of the fan base. And so, but I, you know, of course, I think it, it, it's also kind of a double edged sword where you have like. You have this like tight. You you have some very tight knit communities around some very like around some characters that uh, may have not not got their time in the sun, or may have only started getting their time in the sun recently. Um, uh, characters like um, like Aquaman hasn't. It was always known as like the worst superhero for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and like, but he had a very strong core fan base. The people that loved Aquaman, and now, hey, now we have Jason Momoa's Aquaman, like, in Justice League, and, like, he's really, like, brought Aquaman into this kind of new light. And so I think we're starting to see, like, the fan base start to grow, and I think over time, I think a lot of those, like, kind of attitudes that we've seen before start to, start to kind of fade, start to fade away. I guess that's that's my take of what I've I've kind of generally seen and, you know... Like I said, like browsing around the internet. Mm-hmm. There, there was a time where I remember, like when DC killed a character, they were they were dead. Like I know, like Barry Allen was gone from the, he was not the Flash for a very long time. Area. Like mm-hmm. Hal Jordan wasn't Green Jason Lantern Todd. for a very long time. Jason yeah. Todd, like they stayed dead. And that was something that I actually appreciated. That like, yeah, the mantle got had had gotten passed down. Um, but you know, characters that died, you weren't expecting them to just pop up the following year in some big, like, you know, maxi series, like storyline, although that's kind of changed recently, (laughs) but that was something that I appreciated about DC. Like there was like a legacy, uh, like these characters, like had legacies that carried down. That is true. Yeah. Like this is one thing I do love about DC. Is just kind of these very long legacies, the different Robins, um, 
a new legacy character that I think is, is starting to become one of my favorite new characters is Superman's son, John. I feel like one thing I like, I mean, I don't know, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but like DC fans, I feel like are more loyal. Like, you know, like the films weren't that great, but like, you know, that doesn't mean that DC fans don't love the character or whatever. They just hate the movies and they're just still like, I'm still going to go buy the comics or watch the movies when the, the films come out or whatever. Um, yeah. I think the reason why that is is because like I think a lot of longtime DC fans are originally fans from the comics and it's like put out whatever animated series you want, put out whatever television series you want. My Batman lives in the comics. And so it's like you can change it all you want, but you know, Batman lives in in pages for me. Maybe that's what it is. Whereas like a lot of MCU fans it's like the only Captain America they know is Chris Evans, you know? Mm-hmm. Tony Stark is RDJ, and that's who they will be forever. Which, at some point, they're going to revive those franchises. I'm sure of it, right? Yeah. Who's going to be the new Iron Man? Who's going to be the oh. new Captain America? So it puts people, in, in those fans of those actors, in a, in a sticky situation, I feel like. Well, yeah, like we have a new Captain America in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and everybody's already hating him. <laughs> <laughs> good point yeah yeah i like that sentiment you know with with newer fans the the mentality of associating an actor to a character is there um but you know if you're a fan since the comics your connection is more to the comics right so there isn't as much as much weight you know like oh if they make the shitty spider-man movie and there have been some, right? Um, it doesn't matter because, you know, I love Spider-Man comics and I will always love Spider-Man comics, right? So, you know, of course, when the movie's coming out, you hope for the best, obviously. Uh, but um, it's not the end-all be-all, right? Spider-Man 3 didn't, didn't like eliminate my Spider-Man fandom, right? Far from it, absolutely. Okay, so what else comes up? So I think a big one is diversity. This comes up a lot, particularly from the Marvel camp. And um, yeah, so where an argument could be made that DC came first, uh, an argument can also be made that Marvel came first with diversity in characters, right? the first ever mainstream black superhero is Black Panther, period. The first ever mainstream African-American superhero is Falcon, period. The first ever black superhero to start his own series is Luke Cage, period. All Marvel, right? And um, I think there's, uh, it's not a coincidence. You know, Stan Lee was a very progressive thinker. And um, there's a reason why Marvel has continued to kind of lead the way with diverse st- storytelling, diverse characters. You know, you look, you look at these Disney Plus shows, we're starting to see diversity behind the camera. Very cool. Um, and there's kind of this rich tradition there. Uh, I don't think Marvel is, well, I know Marvel is not free from 
problematic storylines and characters in their long history, obviously. Um, but they've taken risks. They've they've gone there. You know, you know, uh, the, the characters I mentioned are from the 60s and 70s. But look at Miles Morales. You know, the, there is that whole um influx of diverse heroes that followed you know the female thor female hawkeye a black captain america you name it right and i remember at the time that it was pretty controversial there were a lot of angry comics fans when they started to roll out these diverse heroes right um not to say dc is completely free of that but i think uh, an argument can certainly be made that marvel has kind of won the diversity battle through the years thoughts on that definitely think um like that point uh you know we'll go to marvel with um characters like black panther um i also think that the x-men were, were all like like a big part of that and um yeah like characters like magneto like a bad guy that lived through the holocaust and that shaped his understanding of the world um but i think there is one point that should go to dc um, with a character, and I think that character is the champion of feminism, Wonder Woman, a character that goes back to the 30s, and is a character that is like, that is crossed over into into being this like mainstream icon of feminism for like however pretty much for however long she's been around. Good call on that one. Solid. I mean, I was I was gonna admittedly say like all the Justice League characters are white. Like, what can we? <laughs> Uh, on that point um it is worth noting that uh the justice league movie you know whedon or snyder it got more diverse you know they they brought in a pacific islander aquaman a, a jewish flash right and of course wonder woman is there you know so um yeah, as, as we've been saying, you know, all things are kind of leaning towards this move towards diversity and representation, which is cool. Uh, I would just say that Marvel has kind of led the way in that department. But it's also, it also like it also is in conjunction with the times that these comics had come out. I mean, like the 30s. I mean, it wasn't segregation in the U.S. still a thing like. Oh yeah. In U.S. history, I'm like, I don't, I don't know the exact dates, but like that was that was still a thing, I think, back then, right? Like, so I think it's also the timing of when they came out. I think in the '60s, I think that's, yeah, um, I think there was more of a, uh, more of an opportunity to be able to like break through that barrier just because of the times. That's a good point. Yeah, it's not like Stanley was coming up with this stuff out of nowhere. There was the whole civil rights movement going on in the 60s, right? So you could argue that he was doing it kind of to take advantage of it, you know, to capitalize on a movement, right? Um, but I, I don't think there's any question that he was taking a risk when he introduced Black Panther to the world. You know, when we get to Luke Cage, it started to get into exploitation territory a bit, but um, I don't think there's any question that Black Panther was a bold move. And um, for him to do that character at that time yeah pre pretty gutsy all right so 
Yeah, we can move forward in time a bit. We've, we've been talking a lot about history. So what about more recent stuff? Um, what about TV? We haven't really touched upon TV a whole lot. There has been a lot of Marvel and DC television throughout the decades, right? Um, one, one argument I have heard in the past is that, um, yeah, maybe Marvel wins in terms of the movies, certainly in, in re- recent times. Um, but DC kind of takes it with the TV shows. Um, I don't know if I buy into that too much, but I don't know. Curious about your guys' thoughts about the TV offerings. Oh, you don't know if you buy that? I'm curious <laughs> as to why, why that is. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm such a Marvel head, but I just I never really got <laughs> into uh, the, the CW stuff. I, I think around that time, that's when there was a lot of momentum for this, like, uh, DC over Marvel in the TV department. And I just never really got into those shows. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Batman, the animated series is like, I mean, that was a, a, a critically awarded like show and very groundbreaking for the type of show that it was. Um, I mean, yeah. I, f- I feel like DC television animation at that time, like that, I mean, that, even today, like when I still watch it, it's like, wow, this is really amazing stuff. And it, and it it drives into the core of like what Batman is and the way that like um, Tim, Bruce Tim, like, you know, painted such like beautiful stories under such like dark and dynamic conditions. Like it was, it was awesome. I mean, as a kid watching that, I was like, wow, this is great. Um, and then like fast forward to Smallville, um, I thought that was pretty groundbreaking. Um, I mean, I don't think the idea of, of like a Superman show where we're not watching Superman, but we're watching Clark Kent grow up. Um, I mean, this dives back to Christian's comment about like the humanity of, of, of Superman and, and making him relatable. Right. Like who, who would have thought that like diving into this small piece of Superman I mean, it's, I think it's like less than a few pages in the original Superman book where you see the history of Superman in Smallville and suddenly he's Superman and they flesh it out into this entire series of, of seeing him grow up and be the person who he is, who becomes Superman. Like that was awesome. And then that growing into like Green Arrow, I never, I never would have imagined Green Arrow would have his own television series, let alone it like spawning the Flash and like Black Lightning and Supergirl and Lois and Clark or the new Superman and Lois. Like, and then, you know, taking cues from the MCU and building a universe on television. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And when they did the, the crisis crossovers, that almost made me want, or that almost made me feel like, oh, damn, I wish I had watched those shows and I could really enjoy the, the crossovers. Right. Um, but yeah, solid points. What's cool about Smallville. You, you see the evolution of it from season one to its final season. And I, I, I feel like it got better as it continued. Like it aged like a fine wine. Like it got more into its comic booky roots. Like we saw more superheroism in the later seasons of Smallville rather than just seeing like Clark as like, you know, an, an angsty kid. <laughs> right on. 
Rainier, which shows have you watched from the the CW universe? Uh, Smallville. Uh, well, I've seen all of them. <laughs> uh, although I'll be, uh, I, I am like way behind. It got to a point. I mean, they have so many shows now. Like they have Star Girl and all the all the DC uh, like online content, like Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol. There's just so much stuff. Like I could. It got to a point where I realized, oh my god, there's a superhero television show every night of the week. <laughs> like if you would have asked like my college me at that time. I would be getting no sleep watching everything and loving every single minute of it, but I don't have that time anymore. And so it's, it's, it's really hard to like catch up on it. So like watching superhero, like watching um, like invincible, it's like 45 minutes, right? Like that's great. And it's delivering everything that I want to see, but having to go back and try and, I mean, I know at some point I'm going to catch up, but it's hard. There's just so much. And like, there are specific timelines in these shows. I, I almost don't know like where to pick back up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, I think if you were to start watching these series, I think it can be intimidating because there's so much to catch up on. And like, where would you start? Yeah. Um, I think the easy answer to that is just pick a superhero and then just watch that series first, <laughs> mm-hmm. then pick the next one, then watch that next. Cool. Hey, so Perfurio, I know you're a big Marvel TV guy. I think you've watched more Marvel TV than I have. Um, are there particular Marvel shows that you've loved throughout the years? Yeah, for sure. Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are just like two. I feel like, yeah, I think DC does have the edge on TV just because I always hear people talking about like, yeah, like they're years in that there's just so much content out there for DC that, you know, like it's a lot like it's either a big success or it could be like a fail because there's just so much out there. And I think DC just has so much content that people love it more. Whereas Marvel, they just either have like Netflix or they have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And now they're starting to delve into their Disney Plus content. Um, mm. But I think, you know, like just Netflix alone, I don't think can really, you could give the edge to TV just on the Netflix shows alone. Like, I think, yeah, like what Renee was saying, like looking back at all the shows DC has put out there, like there's just probably a lot more better content and they're killing it with their TV. Just like Marvel is with their movies. Like they put out a lot, you're probably killing it. DC, they're putting out a lot of their TV and they're killing it. I don't, I don't know if I consider, I don't know if I consider like the Marvel stuff on Netflix TV. To me, they were just long. It was like one long movie because they would just throw every single episode one night and you could binge all of it if you really wanted to. Um, whereas like, you know, all the CW stuff, you got to wait till the next week to see it. Like even the DC <laughs> stuff that they put on online, like, um, like Harley Quinn, all that stuff. Like it's, it's a, it's a week by week show. So they'll leave you with a cliffhanger and you got to (laughs) wait. Yeah. That's an interesting point because I really loved those Marvel Netflix shows, but I didn't watch them like TV, like normally watch TV, right. Episodically week to week, like those shows, man, most of the time I would burn through those like opening weekend. I watched like fucking like, 10 11 12 13 episodes 
over like a three day stretch. And it was crazy. I think I hated that actually, because like, I can't do that. And I come into work the next day and someone's already spoiling the entire like series for me. (laughs) Yeah. Those were strange times. I I mean, I, I, I missed the hell out of Marvel Netflix, but um, yeah, an odd aspect was that whole binge watching thing. Um, It made for a unique experience for sure. Um, But yeah, I, for for Marvel TV, I, I did really want to highlight those shows because for me, it really complemented the MCU movies really well. They were like all all the good stuff that you didn't see from the movies. Like you get the R-rated content, more adult-oriented stories, grittier characters. Um, and yeah, characters that were sort of meant to be in like edgier type shows. And I would argue too that, you know, where where DC storylines went that the MCU movies didn't like darker stuff, particularly like Dark Knight territory. You know, I think finally with those Netflix shows, Marvel was able to get into like the dark alleyways, the, the, the uh, the darker side of humanity, you know, very cool. Like the Punisher, Daredevil, all that stuff. Loved it, you know? Um, so, yeah. Who am I to say, like, who who wins the championship belt for TV? I mean, there's just so much content. But um, I think, you know, Marvel Netflix, it's kind of like this, uh, is this forgotten thing now, right? But man, I, I, I love the hell out of those shows. And, and looking ahead, uh, I think it's cool that uh, Disney Plus is, is taking Marvel TV into pretty cool new territory, right? Um, the shows are, are quite different. And yeah, they're, they are um, not super ultra-violent like those Netflix shows, but uh, uh, certainly adult-oriented. I feel like Disney Plus... Um, is closer to TV than Marvel Netflix was because we have to wait every week. Yeah, that's a good point. For sure. Okay, so I think a logical progression here would be to get into the movies. We talk TVs, what about movies? Again, a long, rich history on both sides. Um. Yeah, DC and Marvel have been cranking out superhero movies for quite some time now. What do we think about the movie offerings? Here we go. Bring it on, MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has to be. It has to be said that this is like the number one argument. You know, it's almost like the 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 too easy argument that Marvel movies are awesome. And DC movies. See you, mic drop. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Three letters. And good night. We'll see you next week. <laughs> so yeah, like the 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 proof is in the pudding, right? The 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 box office with the MCU is like astronomical. Critics love the MCU. It's definitely not one of these things where like they're big box office, but they're not getting critical acclaim. It's getting both. 
And it's like the trifecta, right? The, the fans are loving it too, right? The fans, the critics, and the box office are through the roof. Um, it's a phenomenon, right? And it's it's arguably why the profile of superhero content has been leveled up to a huge degree for everyone, right? Not just Marvel. Uh, so what can be said? Like, what's the counter argument to the MCU? Like, how can you sort of argue against it remember that thing i brought up last week about the term mick marvel yeah <laughs> you guys want to elaborate on that a little bit more like how do you guys feel about that term mick marvel i mean i know like in the past i've talked about how like it's very marvelly like of course we're going to love it it's going to be everything that marvel is going to deliver because we're expecting it but now there's a, there's that 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 term mick marvel that like the expectation is already built in and yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like everyone's going to love it. Yeah. I would say to that, that I think there was a certain template, a certain way that these movies were made, which uh, for a time, I think felt very familiar. Like you were sort of getting the same thing over and over. There would be, some differences like Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, this is a period movie. It takes place before, but essentially we're, we're seeing good versus evil. We get this big climax at the end. Um, and yeah, a lot of those earlier movies, I think did follow a certain template. Uh, but I think the big argument against that is like we've been saying, Marvel evolves, right? I think the MCU is 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 uh, definitely part of that. Like, here's a great example, the Black Panther movie. So you could argue that that movie followed the Marvel formula, right? We had a character who we could kind of relate to. He has this sort of, uh, he's conflicted, right? How, how to proceed. Um, and uh, we can sort of relate to his motivations and um, it kind of leads into this big climactic battle, right? But just the way it was presented and the way it was made with, with the, uh, such a diverse uh, crew and cast, um, you, you, you can't argue that that movie was groundbreaking in every goddamn way, right? Uh, so... There, I, I think there's an evolution, and I think we're con continuing to see that. Okay, we're uh, with Disney Plus. We're, we're not. Uh, it's not the movies; it's the shows. But I, I think the shows are really showing that they're they're taking the MCU in a bold new direction, right? Um, so yeah, I, I, I would I would agree earlier on that there was something of a template they were following a McMarvel, whatever you want to call it. But I I do think there's a progression you know, around, I don't know, maybe around Guardians of the Galaxy, thereabouts, they're, they just started to take risks. And um, there was a, a different look and feel to a lot of these movies. I, I would like to challenge you on that comment. Like, I agree with everything you say about Black Panther. It's probably one of my favorite MCU movies. But of all the MCU movies, there's one Black Panther movie. What's another movie that's just as groundbreaking within the pantheon of all the other MCU movies? Well, and I know we have more stuff to come out, but <laughs> yeah. what do we have now? <laughs> but of what came out, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it depends on the perspective. 
you know, you could argue that Infinity War and Endgame were, you know, a very uh, kind of fan servicey, big, huge blockbuster entertainment type. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think making, those are kind, right? I think those are kind of outliers because that was kind of like the payoff after ten years of of, yeah. of Marvel movies, right? Yeah. But like, I guess maybe the individual movies, like what what had that level of impact that Black Panther had? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you're you're asking me to say, is there another Black Panther? I I would say there isn't. It, it's such a unique phenomenon, right? Um, but as I was about to say, I, I think Infinity War and Endgame and I would say especially Infinity War are are groundbreaking in their own way. You know, like um, I remember watching Infinity War and just waiting to see if it was going to follow the same stuff. And then boom, right away, you see like Heimdall and Loki killed. Right. And I knew right away that there were they were doing something different. You know, they're they're giving us like two and a half hours of of pain and torture and 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 like ripping our hearts apart right and i felt like they were just doing something different right there um and you know the feeling i had at the end of infinity war was very different from the 2012 avengers right that was like a party you know a celebration and my 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 heart was broken at the the end of infinity war so um yeah, like th- there's, I mean, that that's my best example for like a totally different type experience right there. What I have to say about like the MCU, the failure of it is that like it's, you know, too much can just be like a fatigue of it, you know, like Marvel at this point has to do something new, something fresh. And, you know, not to say like the Disney like we just talked about TV, but like WandaVision, for example, like it was totally something new that people hadn't seen and people were getting frustrated with it because it was too new. And then I enjoyed it. And then coming back to like something like Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of like typical Marvel, you know, like just blockbuster action kind of scene. So I feel like, yeah, if Marvel wants to continue the success, it has to take risks and do something new and not lean into the same formula of, like, superhero introduced, um, big challenge, overcoming that challenge, blockbuster action, explosives, and then move on to the next film, you know? I do agree that Marvel needs to continue to pivot continue to adapt um yeah like any like great I, thing they can fall into that trap of doing the same thing over and over uh, they need to continue what they're doing I, I feel like the best way they can continue to evolve is not to rest so heavily on the past characters that we've already seen like leaning too much into all of the continuity that's there because i think that's i think that's the i think that's the challenging thing is i mean I don't know, maybe from a creator standpoint, I feel like continuity can, can, can be very binding. And it's like, you have to work within a certain confine of a storyline. I think that's where it can be dangerous, but yeah, I mean, I think new characters telling new stories that don't necessarily have to be related to what happened in Endgame. you know, I think that's, yeah. I think that's where it can continue to evolve and move forward. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Like, even I was a little bit peeved that Iron Man was such a big presence in the Spider-Man movies. Um, let let him breathe, man. Let Spider-Man be Spider-Man, right? Um, but yeah, there is there is a pitfall with these continuity movies that they're they're all connected, so they might reference past stuff too much. So yeah, that that's that's something to watch out for for sure. Now, what about DC movies? Much maligned. Christian and Renier, you've probably heard an earful of people talking shit about uh, DC movies. Lots. Um, <laughs> now, Christian, I, uh, you pro- you might have an interesting perspective because you're a big DC fan, but you actually dislike a lot of these more recent DC movies, right? <laughs> so what, what are your thoughts on, on this topic? Let's see. Well, I think with, um, yeah, I didn't really care. There's like definitely a few I didn't, care for i think with the with dc's uh universe i think their first few movies off the ground um i didn't really care for it even though i you know it's like oh well i guess i'll go see it again um because you know i'm just that kind of fan i guess um and so like i think that you know i will give marvel like they have the singular vision uh of the mcu whereas dc you could definitely see there was too many fingers in the pie um and that like even now dc's continuity movie continuity is kind of a mess and they have like several different shared universes um whereas marvel has that singular mcu um but i think i think where dc really shines are um kind of just the the one-off trilogies or the one-off movies um i think when we talk about the MCU formula, um, I think a lot of that formula actually came from Batman Begins. I think that's where you see you really see the Nolan trilogy kind of really cemented what the superhero trilogy should look like. And I think the Dark Knight, personally, is still I think the best superhero film that that's ever ma- that's you know been made. And I think there's something about Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker that is that was so um like it was like i felt like i was in a trance just watching him just because he he was so intense on screen you really felt like it became the joker and you felt the tensity when he held the knife to people to people's mouths and told them a story and um i think that dc kind of holds that like kind of very upper crust and also a lot of kind of what's at the bottom, whereas I think Marvel personally gets a lot of the in-between, if that makes sense. I think that there's certain movie, like just movies that I think like really make a huge buzz, that really make a critical buzz. Um, it's funny that the last three movies that the Joker have been in, the last three live-action movies, have all won Oscars. Joker which won Best Actor and uh, I think Best Soundtrack. Suicide Squad won Best Makeup. And then The Dark Knight, which won Best Supporting Actor for um, Heath Ledger. And so I think and I think that also just highlights a general strength of DC, where I think DC is just really good at making the singular one-off stories that, like, that, you know, like, that change everything in a sense. That may that aren't really tied to continuity, but really just blow up, in a sense. Like Frank Miller's Dark Knight, um, 
and Year One, All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison, just to name a few comics. I think even The Long Halloween is... Um, I think that's in the in technically in Grant Miller's universe, which isn't which wasn't really like the general DC universe. And so I think they have even if they don't have that big powerful multi-connected universe, DC has those like those like singular movies that you can just watch over and over. Yeah, the Nolan films, like I agree, like. Dark Knight, Batman Begins, probably the best superhero films. And I, 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 the reason why I say that too is because I, I feel like there, it takes superhero out of it. They're just great movies. Like mm-hmm. they're really well told stories with great, you know, great cinematic takes. Like it's taken out into the real world. They're just great movies. And yeah, Batman's in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think the tough part with like, you know, the, our, you know, our current Justice League and Batman versus Superman is that like they were coming off the heels of MCU's like already established like singular vision. And I'm sure there was a lot of like, well, we got to make it like, we got to make it like Marvel. Like we have to have a shared universe. And that's something I really hate actually. Like now it's just like, wow, well, DC doesn't really have a shared universe. Like why do they have to have a shared universe just because Marvel has it? Yeah, that's a good point. You could argue that the Marvel effect kind of had an adverse reaction to DC. They they tried too much to be like Marvel because Marvel was so successful with the movies at the time, right? That, that's um, the thing that's happening yeah. with uh, a lot of like Disney movies too. Uh, like, I think in Tangled, there's like, um, or sorry, I think in Frozen, I think Rapunzel makes an appearance. In Moana, like Sven makes an appearance. Now everyone's like, oh, what universes do they live in? Are they in a shared universe? See, now <laughs> there's this thing where everyone's looking for a shared universe mm-hmm. in every movie just because it's under the same company title. Yeah. Godzilla versus King Kong. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Monsterverse. Fast and Furious and Jurassic World. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's, it's going to keep going. It's going to keep happening. <laughs> yeah, I liked how you guys brought up DC movies that were outside of the the DC shared universe, like the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the Richard Donner Superman came up. Great movies. Um, I would argue that Marvel movies aren't just the MCU, right? Um, what preceded the MCU is definitely worth bringing up, I think. First and foremost, the Blade movies. Awesome. And uh, the Spider-Man, yeah, the Raimi Spider-Man movies and the, uh, go ahead. The X-Men, X-Men Deadpool movies. Mm -hmm. X-Men, absolutely. I was going to say that myself. Uh, So, yeah, you know, a lot of great stuff. Um, Yeah, even even, even MCU aside, aside, I think there are great Marvel movies. What's sad, though, is that a lot of those movies don't come to light first because the MCU shines so brightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I, I, I love to, to um, bring up the fact that there might not have been an MCU if it hadn't been for Blade for the Raimi Spider-Man movies or the X-Men movies, right? Might not have happened. They led the way. So again, going to that know your history thing, you know, 
there's a cause and effect to all of this, right? So it's, it's good to know what has happened in the past. All right, a few minutes left. Uh, any final thoughts about DC versus Marvel? We didn't talk about um, Joel Schumacher's Batman. <laughs> I guess uh, one point against DC you could say is that Batman and Robin was such a bad movie. It almost completely killed the superhero <laughs> movie until Blade revived it. <laughs> I feel like it's just the intentions of the movies. Like Batman and Robin, that movie was made to sell toys. So mm -hmm. it was destined to fail, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, yeah. you know, Batman vs Superman, that was like, that was made to start a DC universe. And like, you know, how do you, how do you start a universe when you don't have like all the puzzle pieces in play for all the chess pieces in play first? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a point for Marvel. I don't think uh, a Marvel movie has really hit the depths of Batman and Robin. Mm -hmm. You know, even I enjoyed the Howard the Duck movie to some degree. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen Electra? I don't know. Oh, I haven't. I haven't. Fantastic Four movie. I really didn't. Fantastic like Four. Okay. Yeah, we did an episode about the worst superhero movies ever, and and both sides have have cranked out some stinkers. No question. I will say one last thing. I want to say is like you know because of this whole Marvel. DC comics fandom like Image has also pretty put some pretty good content out there because of the rise of comic interests you know from this fandom like yeah, talk about pushing the envelope yeah yeah mm -hmm. Invincible the boys Walking Dead mm -hmm. Spawn yeah. are you guys all watching yep. Invincible by the way oh it's amazing yes. oh yes oh my goodness <laughs> the Henry wait Henry have you seen it yet. No, I haven't. Oh, dude, I, I you gotta straight. watch it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. There, there's one thing I'd like to say though. I think the one thing that Marvel will always have that DC has never had is someone like Stan Lee. Yeah. Like Stan Lee is clearly an ambassador for Marvel and just comics in general. But I don't think mm -hmm. DC. I can't think of a single person that's that's at DC that was the equivalent of Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. Like. I guess what, like, um, although I think one thing I think I, I would put against, Mar against Marvel and the talent is that uh, Marvel does have a habit of losing some of their best talent. Uh, going back to the image, the big image walkout where the seven guys to create their own company so they could have more creative freedom. Um, and now one of those artists, Jim Lee, is now like the head of D, you know, the chief creative officer. And, and I get on also J like Jack Kirby, I think ended up going to DC. So that, that's my pot shot, I guess, at Marvel, even though, yeah, Stanley is Mr. Comics, and I think he really pushed the envelope. Yeah, that's solid. I think, uh, the argument for Marvel goes a long way with Stan Lee. Um, maybe devil's advocate a bit though, is I think uh, with Stan Lee, there's, there's some complexity with his story, you know, uh, Christian, you mentioned like some notable departures at Marvel. Uh, I think Stan Lee was kind of part of that. Like the big one, you mentioned Jack Kirby. Um, Stan Lee had a history of not 
being the coolest coworker, I guess you could say at times. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he had a, a bit of a habit to steal the spotlight from his co-creators, you know? Um, I'm so, curious so to hear that there's side. That. Yeah. I, I'm curious to hear that side because no one, no, no one gets their claim to fame by being a nice guy like that. <laughs> like there's certainly gotta be some dirt under the rug somewhere. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, um, Stanley could have been a little cooler about sharing the spotlight and that sort of thing. Um, and just, you know, look at the departures, you know, the, the fact that Jack Kirby left it all is just kind of sad, you know? Um, so there is that. But I think we can get to wrapping up. Like I said, I don't think this conversation ever ends. We can continue on and on, but certainly some great points have come up today with that we can wrap up the episode this is farewell from henry rainier porfirio and christian